Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight. I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I got to get paid. Back to right center, and the Braves have won it. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, it is another episode, the Double Dip Feature for the Platinum Sombrero this week, brought to you by our friends at Armchair Media and our friends at Bet Online. The college football season is in full swing. The NFL is starting to get closer and closer and closer to the playoffs. The NBA draft just happened, so you know they're probably going to start up here in another week or two because they never really seem to end. I'm sure hockey's about to start up every once in a while. Baseball, I'm sorry to report, we still have a few months to go. But the point is, there are a lot of sports still going on, and if maybe baseball is your number one sport, you just watch other ones to kind of eh, have something on the TV. Well, if you want to make it more exciting for you, go to Bet Online. It's just like playing fantasy football, but with real money. Bet Online has all of the best lines, any prop bet you can imagine, whether you're a starter, a uh, beginner gambler, whether you've been doing it for years. Bet Online has lines that will kind of cater towards all of you. Go there now, check out all the lines that you can put on there, and use our promo code ARMCHAIR to get a nice little surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you want to find out, you got to go there. You got to put some money down and put your money where your mouth is. Bet Online, helping you enjoy sports. As much as possible. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed our Carlos Colazo prospect episode as much as Doc and I enjoyed giving that to you because uh, I'm just I, Carlos is a guy that I, I, I could literally just sit here and talk with him all day. I mean, I, I'm kind of upset that we only had 30 minutes. Like, it's one of those where I never feel like we get enough done in that show because everybody likes to talk in depth about why they're making their decisions. Uh, it, he's just such a bright mind to talk about it and, and uh, you and he have so much in common just from where you, you come from writing-wise. So it's always cool to uh, to hear guys that started out in similar spots to where one of us did uh, that have gone on to such great heights. But uh, again, thanks to Carlos for doing that. But the prospect show is done for now. We're going to focus a little bit more on the major league side of things. And in case you've been living under a rock all week, the Braves did make a move to shore up the rotation. Uh, I can comfortably say that it's not a move that Doc or I had on the radar at all. Um, but Doc, how are you feeling? 
it's interesting. If if Alex Anthopoulos has proven anything over the past couple of years, it's that more often than not, he's going to make pretty good moves. That now, he's not infallible, and the, the Cole Hamels move was not a great one. The Will Smith move might prove to be a great one, but uh, the last year was very uneven for him. So, you know, you can either immediately take the Drew Smiley signing and you can put it in that bucket, or you can say, okay, well, there was Josh Donaldson, there was Marcelo Zuna, there was Travis Darno, there's any of the trades that he made for Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, uh, Shane Green. You know, most of those have, have worked out pretty well. So they obviously liked what they saw out of Smiley. He only pitched 26 and a third innings last year, which five starts, two relief appearances, you know, not. 2020 wasn't a giant sample size for anybody, but it was a little smaller for uh, for Smiley than it was for some other guys. Uh, what's really interesting for him, you know, he did this in San Francisco, so he wasn't giving up a lot of home runs because that's just a very cavernous ballpark. But his velocity went up uh, higher than it's been in recent years. And as he's the farther he's gotten away from Tommy John, uh, the more his, uh, his control has kind of returned. Last year, he struck out 14.3 batters per nine innings. Whew. And only, yeah, I mean, that's... That's pretty good. I mean, that's higher than Bieber. That's higher than DeGrom. That's higher than pretty much anybody. Um, and he kept the walks pretty reasonable, too, 3.08 per nine, which usually if you have guys with big strikeout stuff, part of it has to do with um, with a lot of movement, which can lead to some uh, some erratic performances. But if he's striking out a lot of guys and he's walking a lot of guys, I'm fine with it. The ERA was 342. The FIP was 201, which is really inspiring. So... There's some really nice under the, uh, or just kind of under the radar, or, or we'll just call them peripheral stats there that, that point to uh, point to some real meaningful improvement for Smiley. Now, the downside of that is that it was a small sample size, and we can't guarantee that it is going to carry over into something much larger. It is, I would assume that based on the fact that he's getting $11 million, that he's going to be used as a starter rather than a reliever. Uh, but I suppose that there's a whole lot more offseason left to go. And for me, that's that's the biggest thing right there, is that this is a move. This is not meant to be the move. And I don't think Alex Anthopoulos thinks this is the move. He hold knows on, he didn't on, just on, go sign on, Trevor Bauer. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Got to stop you right there. Um, don't, don't say that phrase again. You said that, uh, I believe we barred you from saying that phrase. Which phrase was that? The... This is not the move. It is a move. I believe that's what she said after Tommy Malone. So yeah, I said I said the same thing when uh, after the Josh Donaldson signing. I think so. And Tommy Malone. So we won't say that one. Uh, but I actually, I, I man, was. Man, why you gotta bring flummoxed. up old stuff, man? Come on. I'm trying I'm to trying be optimistic to here. Us. I'm trying to protect us. Um, I actually, I was a little flummoxed. Uh, actually, flummoxed is the wrong word. Like I wasn't angry about it. I was genuinely like taken aback by that move. Like I in a million years did not even consider Drew Smiley. Uh certainly not at eleven million. Now, you're right, digging in those periphery numbers, there was a lot to like there. And and the fastball velocity was up by nearly two miles an hour. He increased his speed rates a lot. He went from a guy that was throwing ninety one top of ninety two to throwing ninety three point nine on average with his fastball. And uh it, it it seems like it's a little late in his career for that to happen, but when you're talking about guys that have an over-the-top delivery like that, a lot of those gains, they tend to stick. Those don't tend to be flash in the pans. Those, t- those tend to be something that he's kind of figured out with his body. And, and anytime you have one of those really over-the-top type of deliveries, it can take a little bit longer to kind of figure out how to spin the ball 
uh, and, and to get your, your most efficient type of spin. So that's a good point in his favor. Also, if you're not a K per nine guy, if you want to know, like his strikeout percentage was like 37.9, which is the highest of his career by far. Um, that three walks per nine as a starter, that's not a big deal at all. If you want to nitpick at it, he's a guy that hasn't, even in his five starts last year, he, he didn't go six innings in any of those starts, I don't believe. And he's a guy that's battled injury in his past. But it's such a weird move. I think we look at it as a weirder move because of the offseason. I think because of it being a COVID year and we know how hard up everybody is for money, it kind of puts this move into a window of literally anything could happen. Like this could signal that they're trying to save money and that's $7 million less than they paid Hamels. Or because they were willing to give a guy that was making $3.6 million last year, 11 this year, that it could show that they're not really that worried about spending. Like it, it could go any way. Like it, it's such a weird, it's a weird time to try to figure out what it's going to happen in the offseason. We know Alex is, is a guy that's really hard to figure out anyway. But I like, I like what you've said about Smiley. Actually, the more I've kind of thought about it, and gotten over the fact that it wasn't Darvish yet, uh, the, the more I think that that is a move that can work. Because you already have a guy that, let's say, let's just say Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson both come out and just start throwing laser beams and are just pitching perfectly, and Soroka comes back perfectly healthy, and, and you don't know what to do. You do have Smiley that can go in the bullpen. He's done it before, and he's been really good out of the bullpen. Let's say you can, you can float around with that. And anytime you can make your team better, that's really the only objective. And Smiley does make you better. There's no doubt he's going to be a starter. Uh, Alex has already talked about it. And he actually mentioned that Smiley was a guy that they filled based on need, which is something that they've done a little bit differently this offseason. He's also a guy that Alex targeted for the player, not just a position of need. Like He specifically targeted Drew Smiley. Now, Perry Manasian getting the job uh, with the Angels so quickly, I do think that probably played a role in how quickly they moved on Smiley. Um but yeah, I, I think it's a, a pretty good addition. If he can stay healthy, that has a chance to be a really under-the-radar move. I like him at 11 a lot more than I like Robbie Ray at $8 million. There's There's a big difference in the two pitchers, where Robbie Ray has always gotten a ton of strikeouts, but he's also always walked a ton of people. And Smiley, he hasn't been healthy. He's kind of battled injuries and ineffectiveness throughout his career, but he's been a lot better in recent years. So I think that's a good under-the-radar signing for for Alex and for the Braves. As for what that kind of portends to the offseason, do you have any better of a feel than I do right now? Because I, if you were to ask me which way this offseason goes, I could not give you, I, I could not give you any sort of assurance. Like anything I tell you would still be me guessing. Like, I do not have a feel for what's going to happen this offseason with the Braves at all. There are so many different ways they can go. I don't know if you've got a little bit more of a feeling on it than I do, but I would love to hear it. I kind of think, like we've all known all along that baseball teams even if they, they lost a whole bunch of money last year, all baseball teams have a lot of money. Even the Pittsburgh Pirates, whose whose payroll this year coming up is going to be like $47. They, <laughs> they have so much money. The Pirates could go out and sign Trevor Bauer, JT Romuto, and J George Springer tomorrow and be fine. But they choose not to spend that money. So... When when you start looking around at what's happened, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement yet. You know, Robbie Ray getting eight million dollars and Drew Smiley getting eleven. When when Robbie Ray got that eight million, my first thought was, why? Why? I mean, you're and you were right. He's got big strikeout stuff, but he's he's tracking it like seven and a half or eight walks per nine innings. That just doesn't cut it. And Robbie Ray is in a tier all of his own, and he's because of of that profile. 
but he he's still got eight million dollars for and he's been that that same guy for years and i'm just thinking you know for, for having that that much money for a guy that isn't gonna isn't gonna change at all likely that's kind of crazy for an offseason where owners are not really expected to spend money unless i'm thinking well what if this is a giant game of chicken you know I don't think that the Pirates are going to go out and sign, sign Bauer and Real Muto and Springer. And I don't think that the Braves are going to suddenly blow it open. And I don't think that the Marlins are going to go and try and, and sign somebody. But, like, I think there might be some type of staring contest that teams are going to have with each other. Where it's like, okay, who's going to be the first one of us to actually spend money? Because we know we can. You know, th yeah. there will be teams that use the excuse that they lost their ass last season. But not really all of them. Because I think that, you know, the Braves just gave $11 million to Drew Smiley knowing that they have more pressing needs than that. They made it to the within one game of the World Series with a pitching staff that was held together by scotch tape. You know, so if, you're, if you know that you've got Mike Soroka coming back and now you've got Drew Smiley, but your offense was the one that carried you to that, you know you've got to get a middle-of-the-order bat. So they did not just sign Drew Smiley to plug in Austin Riley at cleanup and just hope it works well or, or put him um, third in the lineup, hitting behind Freddie Freeman. So they know that there is work, work to be done. And the fact that these two signings for Ray and Smiley, I know it's early and I know not much else has happened, but to me, it tells me that money is going to get spent. And I think after this upcoming non-tender deadline, which we're going to focus on uh, not during this episode, but the next one, there's going to be so many good players that are out there where they can actually add solid players at discounted rates that going and getting a targeting a guy that you're getting for the gains he made in the offseason and for somebody who can maybe take the Darren O'Day clubhouse role because that was a big thing about O'Day was that he was kind of the glue that was holding the bullpen together. If you have to spend a little bit more on a guy that you know is going to work on your team and where you can maybe save a little bit, little bit of money to get an impact bat who is just maybe like a Tommy Pham who's looking like he's going to make $8 million if the Padres uh, decide to tender him a contract, you could get a guy like that on a discounted rate, plug the Ozuna hole for probably a fifth of what it's going to take otherwise, and you still wind up getting your targeted guy here. So, I don't know, man. I'm not convinced that this is going to be just as barren of an offseason. I think that the timing is going to be weird, but I think that once the dam breaks, I think there's going to be a lot of money spent. And it's a good point that you, you bring up the Robbie Ray and the Drew Smiley deals being the first ones. Usually when you think of the first deals made, they tend to be cheaper deals. They tend to be more get this out of the way quickly. It tends to usually be guys that you want to get uh, finished and signed quick so you can turn your attention to the bigger players. But these are two these are two overpays. Traditionally speaking, just looking at what their performance, their recent performance and, and what they're what they've done to this point and what they project to be in the future. These are two fairly large overpays. Like I personally, I, I'm, I know there's a lot of people in Braves country that are still big on Robbie Ray. I think a lot of that is holding on to the Robbie Ray from like 2016. Uh, Cause he's not that guy anymore. Once, once the ball kind of changed and the philosophy and baseball started to change, you started seeing a guy that was giving up like two and a half homers per nine innings. Like that's not, not the type of pitcher you want in your rotation nowadays. Um, but when you're looking at this, it does kind of signal that, we know that the money situation was not great this year as far as fan gates, but it almost looks like teams are going to be trying to ignore that and make sure that when fans do come back into the stands, 
that you're going to get the most bang for your buck trying to to build teams that will entice fans to come see. And I, I hope that's what it is. I, I hope that this isn't just me being optimistic. But you're right. It doesn't look like it's going to be a nothing offseason. I mean, you're talking about journeyman guys who are getting pretty large contracts right now. So we'll we'll see what happens a little bit farther. And, and ideally, we'll see what happens more at the top end of the free agency spectrum. Like, we'll see what George Springer can bring in. Because I still think there's a significant chance that the guys at the top, your Springers, your Bowers, your Marcelo Zunas, they could sign for another one-year deal and hope that with fans in attendance that they can increase their value going into the next offseason. But it's really, so far, it's trending like that might not even have to be an issue, that we might just be able to take this at face value. The good thing about this is while $11 million is a huge raise for Drew Smiley and is an overpay, it's still $7 million less than what you paid Hamels. So theoretically, that is $7 million more you could throw at a Marcelo Zuna or that you could throw at a George Springer uh, while still maintaining even the same cap number that you had last season. Or even a little bit different, because you're talking about Melanson's not making 15 and a half anymore. So there, there's still money that the Braves can save coming off the books and still get the players that you're going after. Now, I like that you brought up Tommy Pham. We're going to talk about him more uh, in our next episode, because there are some very interesting non-tenders. Um, but when you're looking at, at this offseason in particular for the Braves, it's such a, a mystery what's going to happen, because the Braves are in such a weird spot. So... The fan base is able to, and the Braves themselves, are able to take a collective breath because they did get past a, a postseason series, finally, for the first time in 20 years. Now it becomes you don't want to rest on your laurels because now the fan base has, has finally got that series out of the way. Now it's, all right, now I want more because you're never satisfied. You always, until you win the World Series, you want more. Uh, and, and for Alex, now the real trick is following up last year's phenomenal season knowing that you got as far as you did throwing four rookies in your rotation at one point. I mean, there's <laughs> there, there's going to be a lot of expectations for this Braves team heading into 2021, not the least of which is when do you extend Freddie, who's coming off of an MVP and a well-deserved MVP on that matter. We'll talk about that more in a second. But for Alex, this is going to be a very telling offseason for him. This is going to be a very important offseason. We, we it seems like we say that every offseason for Alex, but his Braves tenure there hasn't really been an offseason that he can really rest on his laurels because the Braves got back to contention so quickly in 2018 uh, and, and really jumped ahead of their rebuild kind of the same way as the Brewers did. And they've been able to do this with guys that they haven't been paying a lot of money. It seems like every offseason for Alex, there, there's a little bit more pressure. There's a little bit more legacy on the line for him. Uh, I, I, I'm very interested to see how this offseason will go. I'm going to put it that way. I'm not going to rule anything out. There's still a number of ways that this could go. Uh, but I will say that the Smiley signing, while it's a little, while it was a little confusing as to why Smiley was the guy, knowing Alex is into the analytics and the the future predicators the way that he is, it makes a lot more sense when you view it through that lens. When you look at the trends and you look at uh, his spin rates and what he's been able to that way, it makes a lot more sense. And that's just kind of the way baseball as a whole is trending. There's still a number of ways this offseason could go, so I'm not really going to rule anything out at this point. If I'm not mistaken, this is the last year of Anthopolis' deal, so this would be the year for him to kind of go ham, uh, if if he has intentions of this being his final year. But then again, you know, he has always, we, we expected him to be Trader Alex, that he was just going to come over and do, and make these massive deals like he was doing uh, when he was with the GM of the Blue Jays, swinging that 
insane deal with the Marlins and then swinging the, that other deal with the Mets that everybody knows about. And he was very active. But one thing that he, he was pretty clear about, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty clear about is that you don't want to make that move until you feel like you're well within striking distance. Like if you want to make a big deal, like if you trade a big prospect like a Drew Waters or, or something like that, then you want it to be for a guy that is going to put you definitively over the hump. And the Braves got so close last year, closer than they've been any year. And, oh, my God, they got so close. And he knows that. And everybody in the Braves front office knows that. And so if you were ever going to finally make that deal, and I, I know I say this every year, but this, this is the one because you know that you you were within – You were within two innings. You were within two innings. I mean, and you were you're one good bounce away from making it to the World Series. Really, you know. I mean, the, things could have gone differently. They didn't, but they could have. And they they were they got really close. And I think, um, in the same way we said last off season, the way that it ended will influence the way that the season goes. Now, granted, the end of the 2019 season and the end of the 2020 season were remarkably different. Heartbreak on both counts, but but very different, but still very telling. And when they lost that series to the Cardinals, they went out and they made a bunch of big moves. They made a bunch of moves quick. And then they went out and they got Ozuna um, as kind of like the cherry on top of their off season. And, and now the heartbreak is still there, but it's not like, well, it's Atlanta sports. So there's some element of embarrassing heartbreak, but it's not like, it's not the same as it was in previous years. So right. maybe they approach it differently, but I, I still expect there to be some similar level of aggression. So when you look around, maybe you're looking at third base. You know, with the fact that Austin Riley can play left field, you have some flexibility on what you can do there. You can plug him into left field if you need to, if you feel like you can get a third baseman. Once again, same thing with the smiley thing. The whole point is get good players. Anthopolis is a firm believer in give me as many good players as I can have and we will sort it out later. So if you want to make a trade for like a Matt Chapman type and then move Riley to left, if you don't have to include him in that deal or whatever you have to do, you have, you have ways to augment this team and to make it better. It's on the flip side of that prospects are the cheapest players that you can possibly have. And if they decide that they're not just, playing chicken with other owners, trying to catch them with their pants down and say, oh, we're, you know, we're going to spend a whole bunch of money because we're expecting nobody else to. Maybe Smiley is the big move. I'll go back on what I said before. Maybe this is the move and they're just planning on having a really, you know, plug Drew Waters in in left field uh, to to start the season. And so instead of spending $20 million on Ozuna, you're spending 580000 or whatever ex- league minimum is going to be on Drew Waters because you, you don't feel like you have enough money to float that. I mean... This is a really good thing about having that robust farm system is you can kind of actually consider doing that if you have something happening. It's not the best idea, but you you could do that. So we just have to wait and see, really. I mean, I, I don't think the Braves front office is stupid. I think that they are very well aware of how that if they had made it to the World Series, they probably would have won. And uh, I, I don't think that they're agree. just going to let think... that go. I think they were the second best team in baseball, and I think they happened to just lose to the best team in baseball. That's why, for me, you never want to lose a 3-1 series like that. You can say that that's embarrassing. It wasn't as embarrassing to me because I really do think the Dodgers were just a better team. They were just a little bit better everywhere else. And the games, the, the final games played like that, where 
one you you talked about one or two bounces away. Well, when you're talking about one team is better than the other, that team can generally get those bounces. It wasn't like the St. Louis team, the St. Louis series, where you got boat raced in a deciding game by a team that you were definitively better than. This is a team that was better than the Braves, and they just happened to hold up a little bit better over the course of the full seven. So I was not, I was, I was disappointed, but I wasn't, I wasn't like embarrassed or or hurt or anything like that. Like I thought, I thought the Braves played very well in that series. Uh, I would have liked to see it go the other way. Obviously, if you have a 3-1 lead, you wish you could scratch out and just not get swept the rest of the way. But there were a lot of things that were good about that. So we'll we'll get that a little bit farther. Um, But for now, how are you leaning towards the rest of this? When you say the rest of this... Like, leading up into this, are you still thinking that the Braves bring back Ozuna? Not necessarily. I... (sighs) They, I think that the, there will be a body. There will be a similar player, somebody who fits in that same Donaldson Ozuna basket. You know, I think they would love it if Marcel came back, but I think they also know that somebody is probably going to give him close to $100 million. So I think they're going to push. I think they're going to do what they can to re-sign him, but I think they've got, they've got their defined ceiling for what they're willing to offer him. And with an analytics team that's willing to give $11 million to Drew Smiley, I think that they probably already have some candidates out there that they would be entertaining that they could get for cheaper than Ozuna. The whole point with Smiley is that Anthopoulos said he thinks that his best years are about to come. Same thing that they thought about Travis Darno, and probably the same thing they thought about Marcelo Ozuna, which is exactly what happened. So I think if they aren't in the position to get somebody who they have as a proven commodity, who's a proven clubhouse fit, and just a uh, just a great guy to have around. I think that they've probably already got somebody that's going to fill that role. I just, I, it's hard to, it's hard to say who, because (laughs) like you said, the smiley thing completely caught us both off guard. So watch it. They're going to go out and they're going to get, they're going to pluck Hunter Renfro off of the, the non-tender pile and turn him into an all-star next year. (laughs) There's just so many weird things. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Uh, but there is, this is a good time for Alex if he's looking to move in secret, which we know he always is. This is a good time for him to be at that because Major League Baseball right now, there's a lot of things going on that are grabbing all the headlines and can allow people like Alex to kind of move around a little bit quietly. Um, we, we've talked about Cohen uh, being approved for the Mets and, and what we expect to see from them. But now that you just had the Robinson Cano uh, news where he tested positive for Stenozel also, he's going to miss the entire 2021 season and $24 million. That's going to dominate the news headlines. You talk, and then the only thing that could dominate those headlines is Theo Epstein stepping down from the Cubs and Jed Hoyer taking over, which lends all of us to think, all right, here's a big fire sale. Now, the obvious play there would be, hey, Alex can go and, and pilfer uh, the Cubs' young core guys like Darvish, who I want, uh, or the younger guys like a Schwarber or a Hap uh, or a Baez, maybe, or a Chris Bryant. There's a lot of moves. There's a lot of guys there that are looking like they're going to get dealt. I don't know if those are, are too obvious of moves for Alex, who does not seem to like to make obvious moves, but there's a lot of, of news going on in baseball that will allow somebody like Alex to be very quiet and maybe be able to jump on a guy quickly while everybody else is kind of focused on something else that's true and if i'm not mistaken they recently voted to not hold the winter meetings in person this year which there's always an event where there's a ton of movement uh, that goes around uh 
But, Braves fans, if you do think that Alex Anthopoulos is going to uh, call up Jed Hoyer and try and pilfer away some of the Cubs' top prospects and you want to put a wager on which prospects uh, those are or some of their young core, you can do so by going to Bet Online. If you want to bet online, if you go to Bet Online, they, they will allow you to bet online. And if you were to go to bet online, you would be able to probably place uh, place a wager on whether or not I was going to do a full Manscaped ad for this week, and uh, I'm not going to, so I hope that you bet well. What I will tell you is that if you go to manscaped.com and use our promo code armchair, you'll get 20% off your package, and that will allow you to take 20% or more off of your package. Plus, Christmas is coming up, and every guy needs some type of grooming tool. So go to manscaped.com, and also go to bet online. Bet online, bet online, manscaped, manscaped, manscaped. So, they, the Cubs obviously have a ton of players that are good, but as far as like an actual fit, that could be tricky. And when you start getting into value, Chris Bryant, I mean, he's looking like he's going to make $20 million next year, and he's coming off a really bad season. Kyle Schwarber is also coming off of a really bad season, and he's going to be due $10 million. I mean, if he really, if Alex really believes in either of those guys, I mean... He might just have to be patient. I mean, the, like you said, the non-tender deadline is uh, Wednesday the 2nd. So, you know, you can rush in and you can say, this is my guy and I want to trade for him, but you might even not might not even have to do something like that. That's a very good point. And, and towards that Chris Bryant thing, while you and I have been proponents of Chris Bryant in the past, because when he's healthy, when he's right, he's a very good offensive piece. We can talk about his defensive value and, and how it's not, phenomenal but neither is Austin Riley's been uh throughout the course of his young career and you talk about Bryant you would be betting that he's going to have a better 2021 than he did 2020 because granted nearly every single one of the Cubs players like all of their major pieces had really bad 2020s with the exception of of like you Darvish Kyle Hendricks and Ian Happ uh everybody else really struggled in 2020 uh that is a good time to buy low on a lot of those guys I have no interest in Kyle Schwarber uh, I, I felt like he's been trending down for like the last three or four years. He really is just his profile is not anything special to me. Uh, if you want what he brings you, you can get Jock Peterson for cheaper than Kyle Schwarber, and he's a better player than Kyle Schwarber. But that's one of the things here. Like, let's say the Braves do get crazy and they want to add a full time left fielder. Let's say Tommy Pham gets non tendered and the Braves decide they want to sign Tommy Pham and have it and bet on him having a bounce back as he's a guy who's he's trended down the last few years. But, I mean, you're, when you're talking about trending down, he's gone from uh, 6.2 to 4.1 to 3.3 F4, and then a negative 0.1 in a truncated 2020. And that's off of a career-worst BABIP of 253. So there's a lot of indicators there that that's going to turn around for him. Um, he's a guy that you could plug into left field, and then you could still get a guy like a, a Jock Peterson, and all of a sudden, now you've got Jock Peterson and, uh, uh, and Adam Duvall, who can rotate DH, uh, you've got Tommy Pham who can play. Tommy Pham's a pretty good defender, and you could play him in left, and he'd be an excellent left fielder to go along with Christian Pache. It still would suck to not have Ozuna around the team, but there's a lot of ways the Braves can do this and still get what you and I were talking about, which is a bat to be behind Freddie that's not going to dramatically affect the types of pitches he sees. And you mentioned Drew Waters, who, uh, after talking to somebody very close to Drew, uh, can't really tell you much, but I can tell you uh, a lot of the things that we've been talking about with Drew as far as how's the power going to translate as far as the swing goes. There were a lot of really good things that happened at the alternate site for him. A lot of power, a lot of home run power that kind of developed for him last year's. Uh, don't forget, this is a guy that he's still got a lot of muscle he can add on. He's still a very young player who still uh, came in with a very lanky body frame. 
So there still are a number of ways. I don't think that he's going to start the season in left field, but there's still a number of ways the Braves can approach this without really dropping off talent-wise. And you could talk about adding Smiley to the rotation means your offense doesn't have to be quite as good to be at the same peak that you were last year. Nobody really wants to see that because everybody wants to have like a Dodgers team where you've got an electric offense, an electric bullpen, and an electric rotation. Uh, but, so there's still there's a number of ways that Alex can move these pieces on his chessboard to get to there. And I know we're running out of time, so uh, I'm going to hit on this last piece really, really quick. Uh, do you think that the Braves in 2021 will have a better or worse offense than they did in 2020? I think the offense is going to be worse I think the bullpen is going to be equal, and I think that the rotation is going to be better. And I, I think they're going to be a more balanced team. I th- so, now see, That part, I'll agree with you right there. I think w- even without adding Smiley, I think the rotation would have taken a step forward with just some of these guys getting a little bit more experience, plus getting Soroka back. Um, that That's the other big thing here, and, and I'm not going to say the words that, Doc, you know I'm thinking of saying, and Chip Carey would say the same thing, so we all know the the process of what could be said here but there is something to say about you're going to have Mike Soroka he's, he's on pace right now to make it back by opening day so you talk about you're going to have Soroka back in the rotation with Freed with Ian Anderson uh, with Smiley now and then you're you're relying on one of one of Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson or whoever else might step up to fill in one spot rather than having to have four rookies filling five spots in the rotation you're talking about Max now has a ton of big high pressure experience that whole rotation was on his back. He carried the entire pitching staff for basically all of last season. That's very important for the development of Max Fried and to see him rise to the occasion. Now you have two guys that you can definitively say, these are number ones. And with Max, you know my thoughts. Like That's an ace. But you can actually say with those two guys, those are number ones. Or even, hey, those might be two aces. And if those are two aces... Now you've got a a rotation that stacks up with everybody else in the NL East, and we can say that maybe the Mets might be deeper when they get Syndergaard and Stroman back in there to go along with DeGrom, and you're right, they're deeper. But that's not really what you're comparing them to. You're comparing the Braves rotation with all that in there to what they would have been in 2020 or 2019 or 2018. And I think we're going to see good development towards the Braves having the best rotation they've had in a long, long time to go along with a very explosive offense which we're going to see Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies have better seasons in 2021 because they weren't very healthy in 2020. We saw Dansby take some good strides. Uh, we saw some things with Austin that can kind of point towards some improvements. Uh, th- there's, there's just a lot that can happen just from natural matriculation. Now, the bench needs to be figured out because that's been the weak spot for Atlanta the past couple of years. But it's a lot nicer when you could say, I really only have to focus on my bench as opposed to saying I really need to find two or three high-impact players and fill in my bench. When you say the Braves really just need one or two bench pieces, a guy like Freddie Galvis would be a great addition to the bench. Uh, th- there's a number of ways they can go with that. There, there's just a lot to like about this offseason, a lot to look forward to. Well, can I, can I make a point on something real quick? We all want Marcelo Zuna to come back because of a 60-game sample. And he was awesome. I mean, you just can't say enough about the season that he had. I mean, he got some MVP votes. I mean, a lot of guys on this team got MVP votes. But he, we, nobody was expecting that. We were expecting him to have a better season in 2020 than he had in 2019. And he did. In 60 games. There is no guarantee that if he does come back here, 
that he's going to hit like that again for 60 games, definitely not 162 games. And if he signs a three-year deal, there's no guarantee he's going to do it over 486 games. You know, we didn't see Ozuna slump at all. If there had been a longer season, we would have. I've seen people saying that Trevor Bauer is like ace among all aces. Go back and look at Trevor Bauer's 2019, okay? Mike Soroka's 2019 was better than Trevor Bauer's. This is not to say that Trevor Bauer is not talented. This is not to say that Marcelo Zuna is not talented. What I'm saying is these are individual blips, okay? Maybe Ozuna... Also, also important to point out, both of those players who had absurd 2020s, they're both very streaky players. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, you know, and this was this was the conversation that, that I had on Twitter earlier this week about, like, you know, about Bauer being the only guy, or, who, or being the guy who's like the get us over the hump guy. Look, it, last year, Mike Soroka was better than Trevor Bauer. There's no guarantees that Soroka is going to come back and he's going to be who he was before, but there's also no guarantee that the team that gives $30 million or however much money to Trevor Bauer is going to be happy with what they get because of how streaky he is. Can completely carry a team, much like Ozuna can, but if he's not pitching well or Ozuna's not hitting well, then they're just giant contract albatrosses, you know? So as we all want the big move, we all want to see, I know that Dylan, I know that you're big on Springer, you know, out of any of Bauer, Ozuna, Springer, like I take Springer over either of them, even with all of the, the uh, Houston stuff that happened. Cause he actually proved after everything was out in the open that he actually was, you know, he was still able to hit. So I don't know, just just because somebody is a marquee free agent, just because somebody had a good year, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to repeat it. Look at what Josh Donaldson did in 2020 for Minnesota. That's all I'm saying. We all wanted him. All of us. It's a very good, a very good point, and that's kind of the big separator there. It's really easy to be a GM when you're talking about targeting nothing but super talented players. It's a lot more difficult when you talk about trying to gauge can that success be replicated based purely on the type of player that you're talking about. And That's one of those things that Alex is going to have to juggle. We'll see what happens this offseason, but for now, we have hit our appointed time to end this episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed getting this little double dip. Uh, we'll probably be back not next week, but the week after that. Uh, we'll take the Thanksgiving week off, but uh, thanks, you guys, for, for tuning in. Hope you guys really enjoyed the Carlos Colazo episode, and hope you enjoyed this one as well. It's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. Doc, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Always a pleasure talking to you, too, and I feel like we should probably reference the fact that Freddie Freeman just won MVP. I mean... I, I, there, there's nothing I can say that would really quantify how awesome a season is. I mean, the fact that he only had two votes that went against him, one of those being Bob Nightingale, which is actually better proof that he did deserve it, that's really all you can say. Anything I can add is going to be less lesser than what Freddie actually did. That man was on some sort of tear, and we talked about how a lot of players might not be able to replicate that in a 162. Freddie's one of the few players that I think can replicate almost that exact same thing. Now, his Babbitt will drop a little bit, but I don't, as long as they get the right protection behind him, I don't think any of his other numbers will drop. I actually think he'll hit more home runs. His OPS was astronomical last year, and that's with him not hitting a bunch of home runs. He went on a little binge there earlier in the season, kind of tailed off towards the end. I'm expecting a big, big follow-up in 2021, and Freddie Freeman's going to be a, a brave for life. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, don't believe anything you read about him going and signing with the Angels because Perry Manasian went out west. That's not how it works. No, no. He, he's he's a brave forever. Uh, congratulations to Freddie. It was well-deserved. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what else is in store for him and for Ronald Acuna. That's going to be a nice little battle of teammates uh, for MVPs. Just like 
the L, the uh, Dodgers have in Mookie and Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager. A lot of fun, a lot of fun to see, but uh, we'll be very interested in tracking it. So for now, we really do have to go. So I'm going to go ahead and get this episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the <laughs> Running Out of Time podcast. Right, well, we are somehow running out of time every week. <laughs> every single week. There's just too much to talk about, not enough time to do it. But uh, no. thank you guys so much. <laughs> we'll be back next time right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Mm-hmm.